0: Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age." Matthew 28:20. 20. Welcome to Canaan Baum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey, featuring music and devotional segments by those who support the teaching of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells. I'm Tom Barthel, glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 153. We'll begin with a devotion shared by Douglas Lane. He's serving as a professor at Martin Luther College.
1: Easter Sunday, the Ark of the Covenant. From Exodus chapter 25, verses 21 and 22, the Lord said to Moses, Place the cover on top of the Ark, And put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. And our second reading comes to us from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 through 25. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Basil Ale. Do you recognize that name? In his day... In his field of expertise, he was known above all other names. Yet, in our era, you may not have even heard of him. You may even have difficulty forming your mouth and lips to say and pronounce his name, Bazal Ale, Basil Ale. So you may be thinking to yourself, why on this most celebratory day in history, when death itself was conquered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave, are we giving devotional time to a relatively obscure man named Basil Ale? The answer lies in the fact that Basil Ale was a master craftsman, a chief architect, an interior designer, and a supreme artisan above all others of his era. God chose Basil Ale out of all the Israelites to be the general contractor of a building that was to become the central focus in the worship life of God's people namely the tabernacle scripture also records for us that Bezalel was entrusted with the special honor of constructing the most important piece found in the tabernacle the ark of the covenant Bezalel carefully constructed the box where the Ten Commandments were placed. Yet, Bezalel's job was not complete. He still had to fashion and build the most important piece of furniture in all of Israel, the covering, the lid to place on top of this box. The importance of this lid lay not in the gold, the wood, or the craftsmanship used in construction, nor were the golden wings of the cherubim, arcing over the cover and the ark, its most valued feature? It was the fact that God himself would sit on that piece of furniture and dwell among his people on what was known as the atonement cover, the mercy seat of God. Look into that ark. There are the Ten Commandments. There we come face to face with our sins as God's holy covenant law convicts us. There we come face to face with the consequences of our sins, realizing that the ultimate curse of sin is a wage extracted called death. But now step back and look at that cover on top of the ark, the atonement cover, the mercy seat of God. Watch over the ages as different high priests entered the Holy of Holies on atonement day and sprinkled the sacrificed blood of an animal to signify the forgiveness of sins. Yet none of those priests, nor all the blood they sprinkled, were enough to cover our sin. That blood belongs to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus is both the victim and the priest. Jesus is the spotless lamb, and his blood purifies us from every sin. The grave is empty. Sin is atoned for. Death is conquered. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And we pray, Dear Jesus, you have made atonement for my sins. Your sacrifice blood covers me completely. You paid the price of death for me with your death. You conquered death once and for all by rising from the grave. Your ascension assures me of my own ascension. All the blessings associated with being at one with God are mine because of you. Praise be to your name. Amen.
0: Here's a song by Tracy Fedke. Never alone.
2: Sitting all by myself in the darkness, all I see are the dark clouds rising. Seems there's no one around who hears me, who understands, understands, but then I hear With you till I give you home in the darkness in the sunlight, no matter where you go. Thinking all on my own, I can fix things. All I see are my troubles rising. Seems there's no one around to save me. There's no one there. For it's there in your words I'll find you Seems there's no one around that can help me But you alone, you alone, indeed
0: Up next, God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith,
3: as he takes us to the book of Leviticus. The Day Papa Made a Burnt Offering Leviticus 1.5 Then he will slaughter the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, will present the blood. They will throw the blood on the sides of the altar, and all around the altar that is, the en- that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. We led the bull into the tabernacle. From the place where our family lives, it took several hours to walk there. We arrived right in the heat of the day at the entrance of the big tent. A priest or a Levite, he was wearing a robe, I'm not sure which he was, was there. He asked us to wait a while. There were three or four groups at various stages of sacrifice ahead of us. The smoke rising from the altar had guided us all the way here, no question about where it was. I had expected the sound of bellowing cattle and the little bleats of sheep to be everywhere, but at this time, it wasn't noisy at all. In fact, I was surprised at how quiet it was. I could hear a deep rumble, I I felt it more than heard it, the almost subterranean roar of the fire in the big bronze altar another man was bringing a goat up to the up the path behind us and it made only the animal noise we could hear it made the only animal noise we could hear at all a priest near the altar was placing wood carefully here and there wedging the split chunks of log beneath burning carcasses pushing chunks of wood with other chunks careful not to touch the hot bronze with his hands after a while the priest finished what he was doing wiped his brow with a sweaty hand and smiled at us waving our family forward We all walked as a group toward the altar. I was amazed at the heat coming from it. The bronze sides radiated the heat of the fire in every direction, and the air rippled and moved. To the left was the big basin of water that Papa called the sea. The priest thrust his hands into a smaller basin nearby, not so much to wash them as to assure Papa and our family that he was ceremonially clean. The small basin was closer to the altar, and I noticed that the water was smoking. Papa took Mama's hands the way he did sometimes when they prayed together and laid them with his on the bull's head while I held the animal's lead rope. Papa said, Lord God, you give and you take away. Blessed be your holy name. Mama repeated the blessing after him while he waited for her, just as when he waited for her to go through a door. Then he said, Lord God, we thank you for the gift of our children but we dare to come before you and ask you to bless us once again. Forgive our many sins. Accept this sacrifice of thanks and praise, and bless the crops we plant and the labor of our hands. Bless our family as you have in the past. All this we pray in your holy name. Baruch Hashem Madonai, the priest said, blessed is the name of the Lord. We all said these words together. And when Mama added, Amen, Papa suddenly slit the bull's throat, and her little sister let out a little shriek. Of course, she knew what was going to happen. We'd been talking about nothing else for a week, but it was so sudden. She was just so surprised. I expected my brother to laugh at her, but instead he held held her hand. The priest caught the blood that gushed from the animal's throat in a very big pan, deep and with handles. He followed the dying animal down when it suddenly fell forward on its knees, kneeling he waited until the pan was full no more fluid would come at first i was nervous that the pan would not be big enough and i was a little worried that the priest was so confident about it but when he got up from his knees without spilling anything i realized that the pan had been designed to do exactly this and that he had done this procedure so many times before that it was part of what he did all the time he turned toward the big altar with the big pan Another priest was holding up loaves of bread and swaying back and forth in a strange way nearby. Our priest hefted the pan with both hands. His arm shook a little, I noticed, and he prayed. He used almost the same words Papa had used, but he said they and them instead of we and us. Then he threw the blood in the pan onto the sides of the altar and on the bronze horns that stuck out at each corner. The deep hiss of these splashes of blood against the hot bronze was a new sound to me. I was fascinated by it as the priest moved quickly all around the altar, pouring as he went on the sides and at the base of the altar. The blood went into the ground there at the base, but the blood on the sides of the hot altar smoked and hissed away into oblivion. The high priest finished and raised his hands again to pray for us. What I noticed at that moment was that as he prayed in the heat of the offerings, some of his sweat ran from his face and fell there at the base of the altar, It was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Our sacrifice was made. Our sins were forgiven. Our blessing was asked, asked by this priest in our place. And as he stood there with his arms spread wide in prayer, getting ready for the next part of the sacrifice, all of the bull would go on the altar, Papa had told us. I wondered about the Messiah to come, whether his sweat would fall like blood, whether he would make a sacrifice for people too, and whether he would think about little people like us, even children. I hoped he would not just be a big, important man like a king, but that he would teach the people, be a good man, a man with blessing in his hands, healing in his fingers, compassion in his eyes, and wisdom in his words. My brother must have been thinking the same thing, because I heard him mumble, When will Messiah come? Maybe we would cut palm branches when he came. We would cheer to meet him. Moses had said he would be a prophet, but hinted in his books that there would also be a king. Could the king be the Messiah too? Papa said he thought Messiah would be a priest. Could they all be right? Prophet, priest, king? Could Messiah be everything? All in one man? In Christ. I'm Pastor Tim Smith.
0: To tell the story is shared by Pastor Luke Italiano.
4: Seven men sat glumly in the boat as the water lapped against the hull. They stared out into the darkness. Peter rubbed his eyes. And this is why I quit fishing. James raised an eyebrow. Really? Really? That's why you quit fishing. And not because of Jesus. Peter chuckles. <laughs> All right. Ah. Ah. All night. And not a single fish. All night long. <laughs> Maybe God's trying to tell us something. James returned the laugh. <laughs> yeah. Remember last time? No fish. Not all night long. And in the morning, here comes Jesus. And he's teaching and teaching and teaching the whole crowd. And we just sit there and listen, take care of our nets. And then he tells us to put out to the water. Remember? Peter nodded. Of course. We put out into the water. We threw the nets over. And the boat almost tipped. And that's when I realized who Jesus was. That he was... Too much for me. John gets a little smirk. James answers, though. I remember. You begged him to leave. You were so scared of the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you weren't. Just last week when he appeared in the room. We all were Peter. We all were. And they fall into silence again. All night. Without Jesus, this is all they know how to do. All they knew how to do was how to fish and follow the Master. The sky started turning that deep blue-grey right before dawn. And across the water they can hear someone walking on the rocky shore. And a voice calls out, echoing over the waves. Friends! (laughs) Don't you have any fish? Seven glum men look at each other. No. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. They roll their eyes. Who does this schmuck think he is? But with a sigh, why not? They throw the net over. And the net jerked. It pulled against their grips. They strained to keep hold of it. And the water burst into a white froth. And there, glittering silver scales. So many fish. So many. The boat lurched. They pulled up. They couldn't get the net in. And over the sounds of the sputtering water and the splashing of scales, John gasps. It is the Lord. Peter's eyes rise, snap from the net from the fish, to see the shadowed figure on the shore. And he needs no more encouragement. He grabs his cloak, yanks it up, wraps it around his waist, and throws himself into the water. He flails, lunges to get to Jesus. The other men, of course, stay in the boat. They try as best they can to drag the net towards shore. It's not far, only about a hundred yards off. (laughs) Peter's such a bad swimmer. They get to shore at about the same time. And as they come, Peter soaked from the water, the rest soaked from sweat. They see that Jesus has started a charcoal fire. And there among the coals are little bits of fish, just little bites to pop in the mouth. And the scent of that fish fresh-baked bread, and the charcoals. You have never smelled anything as inviting as that. Jesus gestures to the boat. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Peter, still dripping, rushes over the rocks to grab the net and haul it to shore. 153 tilapia fish. Big fish. A fisherman's dream. And the net isn't torn anywhere. And then Jesus says, Come. Come and have breakfast. And together, they eat with their Lord. Brothers and sisters, it's easy to forget that Jesus takes care of our bodies. We focus, and rightly so, on how he took care of our souls. But see here, He cared for the disciples so much that he provided them breakfast. This is your risen Lord, who cares for you, body and soul. And this story is true.
0: We'll close today with a song by Branches Band, Crown Him with Many Crowns. You have been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 153. This episode was first shared in June of 2020. For more information, visit com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us. And remember His promised rest.